0: Introducing Batiste Sweat Activated and Touch Activated Dry Shampoo. With breakthrough technology that absorbs oil and releases bursts of fragrance whenever you sweat or touch your hair for up to 24 hours, it's the ultimate hair care for girls on the go. Try the newest dry shampoo that's activated by you. Batiste, the future of hair care is here. Buy Batiste Dry Shampoo online or in store at your nearest retailer.
1: I feel good. Dad, are you singing to your cereal? Come on, Ava. Silk almond milk starts the morning on a high note. <laughs> Silk almond milk. With calcium, vitamins A, D, and E. Feel plenty good.
0: Talk about the game, Sam. So. Who cares about what people think about us?
1: Yeah, I like football. I like football season all the things that go with it.
0: Welcome into to the PFF NFL Podcast. Steve Palazzolo back here with Sam Monson reviewing all things week 14. In the NFL, but first a little note from our friends over at monkey knife fight all first time depositors at monkey knife fight that put at least $20 into their account while using the promo code PFF will receive a free PFF edge annual subscription. That's $40 of value for just 20 bucks. And you get the opportunity to turn that 20 into even more money playing daily fantasy and prop games. Hurry up. The season is slowing down. It's time to do this. It's one of the fastest growing fantasy sports sites in the USA. It's monkey knife fight. So go to Monkey Knife Fight, deposit your twenty bucks, use the promo code PFF today, and receive a free PFF Edge annual subscription. Also, shout out to Action Pro, subscribe to PFF Elite annual, and use the promo code Action to receive a year of elite subscription access plus one year—that's three hundred sixty-five days of Action Pro subscription access for just the one hundred ninety-nine dollars and ninety-nine cents. This is a limited-time limited offer that is currently only made available now through the Super Bowl, which is February 7th, 2021. This offer only applies to first-time elite annual subscribers. All right, Sam, let's get going. Yes. Week 14. Let's roll. Almost in the books. Only one game remaining. Only a Monday night football game. No Tuesdays or Wednesdays or anything like that. But a lot of action to discuss, which all started on Thursday night. The Los Angeles Rams 24, New England Patriots 3, a game, you know, New England was making a run. They're coming off a 45 to nothing win Mm. against the other Los Angeles team, the Chargers, you know, gaining a little bit of steam. Patriots looked like they might need to make a little, or going to make a little bit of a playoff run. Squashed. Absolutely squashed. The Rams defense still legit, and they played a pretty efficient game offensively I would say it's just a solid game offensively but 24 to three Rams Patriots your thoughts
1: yeah I mean definitely don't go overboard with their offensive performance but I think we should give them credit given how recently that offense was essentially eliminated in the Super Bowl like it wasn't amazing it didn't catch fire it you know it didn't absolutely murder the New England defense but it did function um so like credit to them for that I, I think mcVeigh's ability to adjust to what's happened to him right on both sides of the ball um you know i was talking to ben stockwell about this and how much credit do you give sean mcveigh for the defense this year right the the performance under new coaching has been phenomenal that's i think the thing that's driving this team right now um and obviously that's not mcveigh's area right he's the offensive boy wonder on the other hand as a young head coach he fired like a longtime stalwart in uh, wade phillips and went in a new direction right that's not that easy to do when you consider you know where he, he is in his coaching career versus where wade phillips is so i think you can give him some credit for that and then critically his offense has shown these evolutionary steps right version 2.0 version 3.0 it is moving on as teams figure out ways of slowing it down
0: as we get to coaching carousel season and, you know we I think we both get a lot of questions who should be the next coach here who should be the next next coach there to be honest it's very difficult for us in a position when you don't actually interview people to to make those that determination my point on mcVeigh here in his tenure here Wade Phillips brought him to a Super Bowl as defensive yeah. coordinator Wade Phillips has a Super Bowl in his resume and everything. like Wade Phillips has a history of being a good defensive coordinator Sean McVeigh did well to bring in Wade Phillips he has now found brandon staley who's our age sam 38 years old he uh, i've seen him described as the defensive version of mcveigh however mm-hmm. you want to you know take that go right ahead his hiring of young and up up and coming coaches brandon staley zach robinson right i mean that's he's he's looking forward. that's a huge part of the ram success here and i think that is a huge part as we get to coaching carousel season Who's going to be the guy who's going to be not just the X's and O's leader and innovator, who's going to surround himself with really good talent? I think that's one of my biggest takeaways this year is McVay found a potential star at defensive coordinator, and that's a huge reason why they're sitting there atop the NFC West and getting ready for another showdown in two weeks with the Seattle Seahawks.
1: Yeah, now their only question really is, is Jared Goff the quarterback that's capable of taking them where they need to go? Because I think – McVay's shown that his scheme can evolve, can still remain as good as you know pretty much anything out there. The defense is there with him. Now you're just sort of left there with, well, where's the weak link? I'm wondering
0: if Goff, if Shanahan and McVay are both looking at the same thing, saying, okay, I have Jared Goff and I have Jimmy Garoppolo in San Francisco. They've both gone to Super Bowls with those guys. They both have to call a pristine game, I think, to get the most out of those guys. I, I always wonder if they're just, you know, peaking into that top neither guy is a top 10 quarterback Mm. so are they peeking into the you know getting that top 10 guy uh last thing I'll say about the Patriots though I tweeted last night the future of the AFC East fascinating with the Bills and Sean McDermott Josh Allen looking pretty good for the future the Dolphins with Tua maybe not maybe maybe not Tua looking great so far but Brian Flores certainly looks like he's entrenched there the Jets look like they're going to get Trevor Lawrence and a new head coach and then the Patriots you have Bill Belichick a question mark at quarterback going forward. It looks like the division is going to be really competitive, and it's going to be fascinating to see where New England goes from a QB standpoint because Cam Newton got benched in this one.
1: Still their quarterback, though. He's still their quarterback. As Bill said, very, very you know, clear about that. I, I mean I but
0: that tells me they ha, they are not thrilled with what they've seen from Jarrett Stidham for all the offseason hype
1: of course they're not I mean they Jarrett...
0: have they are not impressed with Jarrett Stidham enough to give him the job right now
1: no and just the nature of the Cam Newton contract right it was like yeah okay this became too good an opportunity to turn down because he was willing to pay for base or play for basically nothing that <laughs> you don't really even then you're not you're not picking up the phone to find that out if you're in love with what Stidham is doing. You know what I mean? You only discovered that. Hey, it turns out Cam Newton will play for Peanuts this year because you weren't exactly in love with what Stidham was doing behind the scenes. Like, this this whole thing is because Stidham is not the player that the hype machine said he might be when it looked like he was going to be the starter. So now they're in a weird spot. They get a bunch of players back, presumably, from the opt-out guys, Um, there's still a lot of talent around this team. Some of it is aging pretty badly, but they, for the first time in 20 years, now have no answer at quarterback because whatever you think about how Cam Newton has done this year, he hasn't exactly resoundingly answered a, a question of, yeah, if you give me enough talent, I can be a legit quarterback and take us everywhere we need to go. So they're in a weird spot for the first time in decades.
0: We'll talk about it a lot this offseason. I'll be interested to see where they go as far as the offense. You, if you're Bill Belichick, you have to have looked at this offense the last two years and said, I've got no playmakers here. They had an aging Julian Edelman, nobody else, really, besides Jacoby Myers, who's you know a good complimentary receiver, who's a good route runner. How all in do they go? Are they going multiple receivers in free agency? They've already shown draft is is difficult. Right. So I'm interested. I, I'm looking forward to the offseason in New England, especially with what's happening in the East, so Let's get to all the Sunday action, starting with, can anybody beat the Kansas City Chiefs, Sam? Hmm. And if you guys are new subscribers to the PFF NFL Daily, that's right, our new podcast, the PFF NFL Daily, it's already up. We already recorded it. Who can beat the Kansas City Chiefs? So if you haven't already subscribed to the PFF NFL Daily, hit pause right now, go over, hit subscribe, find the PFF Daily anywhere that you are listening to Your your podcast PFF NFL Daily. You'll see our heads on it, the same ones that are in the background here on YouTube. And you YouTube listeners too. We're not on YouTube yet, so trek on over. Yes, no YouTube listeners right now. YouTube's dead. You Google is dead. Apparently, that's true at the moment as we record. And I don't know how we're even pulling this off, but Google's down.
1: This is I was. This is this might be Skynet. Like, have we checked outside for nukes?
0: Could be bad. Something something's happened. We're in the bunker here. This is how it starts. Anyway. If you are eventually watching on YouTube, go check it out. PFF NFL Daily. We discuss, can anybody beat the Kansas City Chiefs? They win 33-27 to 27 over the Miami Dolphins. We went into depth in the PFF NFL Daily. But the question comes around because it looked like, you know, if you're going to pull an upset against the Kansas City Chiefs, this was like the way to do it, right? You get a couple turnovers early on. Some, some turnover luck maybe goes, goes back the other way for Patrick Mahomes. And yeah. despite all of that, Still 33 points for the Chiefs.
1: Right. For like a quarter, it looked like it was going exactly the way I thought it might, right? Which is they really caused the Chiefs and Mahomes some problems, and they've got a real shot at winning the game. Um, and then the Chiefs kind of went back to being the Chiefs, and it just became pitch and catch a couple of times, and you're like, ooh, yeah. And then they rallied. They they got a bit more, um, you know, caused a bit more problems. This was the kind of game, though. Like, it, it just shows how freaking hard it is to beat the Chiefs right now, that you have a good defense that causes them some problems just from a baseline standpoint right it moves their baseline down a little bit then you get some interception luck right mahomes actually hits a receiver um bounces interception things are really going your way at this point and it's still just it's not enough like you need in addition to being good and having a couple of things bounce your way you also need like a couple of big plays or you need something else in addition to that to go your way it's just the Chiefs' margin for error is so big compared with any other team in the NFL because of how easy they find to score. Um, you know, you had that Xavier Howard one-handed interception in the end zone, one of the plays of the weekend. And by the way, like, this weekend had three of the most absurd one-handed interceptions in the NFL this season. They all Him, happened in the Kenny same Moore. weekend. And Marcus May.
0: And Marcus May. Yeah, um, those were great.
1: Right, three absurd one-handed picks all in the same weekend. But the point is... Like, that's an incredible play, one of the plays of the season, even though it was one of three this weekend. And that was to prevent another pitch-and-catch touchdown from Mahomes to Tyreek Hill, right? Like, those guys just find it so easy that if you switch off for half a second, it's, oh, look, there's Tyreek. Like, score.
0: That, that's my takeaway on it. Mahomes, again, early in the season, he was getting away with some stuff. In this game, tries to throw a screen pass through a Dolphin. Has, as you mentioned, the overthrow that goes right to another dolphin. He also had, what, a 30-yard sack. It was one of those plays. Mahomes does a lot of no, 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 no. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Right, that type of stuff. Andy Reid on the sideline. No, 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 no. Yes, yes, yes. This was no, no, no. Oh, they actually caught him. Mm -hmm. He ran backwards, gets sacked for the the 30-yard loss. He dropped a a low snap, but he still dropped it and, and recovered it. Just very, you know, careless with the ball in this game compared to what he normally is. But at the same time... The Chiefs playmakers took over and also Mahomes overall played well those plays were bad but he comes back and he's just dealing on 10 plus yard throws has a few drops beyond that but it's just okay you can't cover Travis Kelsey Tyreek Hill gets things started with a with a 30 yard touchdown run he has a 44 yard uh, touchdown as well where he gets behind the defense Sammy Watkins is creating big plays so and then me Hardman Yeah, it has a 60-plus yard punt return, too, with all of their playmakers just took over.
1: They have two legitimate sort of cheat codes for offense, right? They have the pitch and catch to Tyreek Hill, which is you switch off for half a second, that guy's just too fast, and you're not prepared for it. And also, so whether it's pitch and catch from Mahomes to Tyreek or whether it's just Tyreek gets one of those, you know, pop passes or end arounds or quick uh, jet motion plays, and it's, oh, crap, he's too fast and just gets to the corner and that's 30 yards, right? Tyreek Hill generally is a cheat code because that's the that's speed that you just don't have on defense. Um, and then the other one they have is in high leverage situations. And I think this is why, you know, when you look at Mahomes sort of play on third down and third and long, like his, he's got some absurdly, uh, diff or absurdly high numbers in high leverage situations that typically is just un- completely unsustainable. Right. But he appears to be able to sustain it. I think why is because he specializes in this all right there's nothing on so i'm just going to keep rolling out to the right and eventually travis kelsey finds a spot right the defense flows this way kelsey just stops and then i find the gap right he just does that over and over and over again he's got enough athleticism to outrun you to the sideline at least to buy himself enough time and then the defense just can't it, it does it can't win right all it can do is try and close the gap on Mahomes and make it so that he can't pick it up. And as soon as you do that, Mahomes is going to find the window to the guy that's leaking into the gap and just sitting there, right? And so many times he's able to convert those third down plays because of that. He just finds a, a hole, hits Travis Kelsey, and bam, your drive that you thought was ending is is going again. And, and they just go off. And it's just this it's this sort of cheat code. It's an extra life that other people don't have on offense.
0: I will say when you go back and evaluate Patrick Mahomes right you would you you write the scouting report and it's like he's so comfortable playing outside the pocket it's actually very similar to Josh Allen and it does feel to your point it's the unstable stuff it's the stuff you wouldn't start with you wouldn't say give me the guy that's just a backyard baller and then we'll fit him into a system or a scheme but I think you just that's where you have to give credit to Andy Reid B. enemy everybody that's kind of helped Patrick Mahomes be so good within structure Because he's always had this ability. It it, people have described quarterbacks as point guards. I think Mahomes might be the one that really exemplifies that the most. Because a point guard literally just has to see the whole floor, right? And and make like Magic Johnson used to make passes. Usually, there's like a guy that you're going to pass it to, right? Magic Johnson had the ability to hit four other dudes at any point at any time if he wanted to. That's like Mahomes on the scramble drill, right? Like. You're supposed to throw to one guy and he's thrown back across his body to someone else. Or he has the feel for, like you're saying, when somebody's gonna uncover. My point is, he's so good at that, right? And when he throws back across his body, when everybody else was saying, Oh, you never do that, like Mahomes can do it. Like he's got a feel for it and he knows when guys are open. And and again, it makes it very difficult to stop. I mean, credit the Dolphins. It looked like the Chiefs were gonna pull away. The Dolphins kept battling, kept battling. The Chiefs have a little bit of this in them it happened uh two weeks ago against the box they, they you know the broncos game on sunday night football they're not really putting teams away and I, it, the, the panthers a few weeks back the chiefs aren't running running away from teams and beating them by 20 or 30 points every single week i wonder if that is them getting a little conservative taking the ball out of their playmakers hands as they get a lead instead of keeping their foot down and you know trying to score 80. I wonder if there's an element to that. But 33-27, good job by the Dolphins. Hanging tough, man. Xavier Howard's playing some all-pro cornerback. He's got nine interceptions mm. this year. This is We've talked about Xavier Howard's high-end play since coming out of college. He's avoided some of those duds. Yeah. Right, where he has some weeks where he looks terrible, some weeks where he looks like Richard Sherman. This is like a full year of Sherman-esque type of play, making plays on the ball. So, um,
1: yeah. it's
0: Even Patrick Mahomes can't complete passes on Xavier Howard. Even the Mahomes to Tyreek connection can't.
1: That was impressive as well, because like Tyreek Hill is good at contested catches. Like he didn't get anything on that. You know what I mean?
0: It was an under, I mean, I think it was a pretty bad throw. I think it was a pretty bad under throw. How dare you? By Mahomes in a a really nice play. Mahomes doesn't make bad throws, Steve. By Xavier Howard. But anyway, go, if you haven't already, go and subscribe to the PFF NFL Daily. It's our uh, condensed version. You know, eight, nine, 10 minutes a week of us going through some topics today it is can anybody beat what a day not a, a day week. per day sorry mm. the pff daily go check it out all right let's go to tampa bay we'll go through some of these one o'clock games here minnesota vikings at the bucks 26 to 14 the bucks win it was a, a weird game minnesota had the ball the majority of the time kept missing field goals yeah move the ball all right on the box they move the ball kirk cousins was making plays with his everything was just backwards in this game <laughs> uh kirk cousins making plays with his legs eventually uh again only 14 points for the vikings a lot because of missed field goals and everything but toward the end when the vikings had a chance to make the comeback pass rush got to cousins quite a bit sacked a bunch and uh the bucks come away with the win they moved to eight and five this was a battle of nfc card teams i think we've always thought that the bucks were a better team yeah. than the vikings and i think that came through here in the 12 point win
1: anytime you can dial up the kirk cousins draw you've got to get it done um yeah this was a bit of I a strange say, game
0: was, were some smart plays though he like when the bucks were playing man coverage he was taking his five six eight, well nine, yes was i mean there. they're
1: smart plays because otherwise you would never ever call that like you would only call that when it's there you oh, know what i mean Of um it was weird it was a huge game in terms of showing you the limitations of minnesota right now and the problems that they have that yeah they might be getting better on the back end with coverage and those young guys improving they still have no pass rush none whatsoever in this game cousins was pressured on 22 drop backs brady was pressured on four um, and that's the, been the recipe this season yeah. for like good tom brady and good bucks and everything going pretty smoothly Um, if you don't get pressure on him whatsoever it's going to be relatively efficient you're probably not going to get many mistakes it's not to say he was perfect like he missed you know a a wide open chris godwin on a play that was starting to break down he felt the the clock was expiring in his head and he He just snatched at it yeah um so he wasn't perfect but the point is if you don't pressure tom brady you're probably going to get a pretty good tom brady
0: Uh, early in the game brady the he missed three or four throws early on and they all seemed to be like he had enough time to get through his progressions and then when he got there he just he missed it and I was about to say man he's just really struggling with the second reads and then his second read was the Scotty Miller touchdown and that was like the throw of the week 50 plus yards yeah the air. I mean, put it right on him
1: it's almost like you can't decondition yourself to the idea that pass rush will reach you in a certain time frame you know what yeah. I mean if you face a team like Minnesota where it's most teams are going to get to you in two and a half seconds right Minnesota might take four and a half seconds to get to you but you can't reset that clock in the course of the game so there are plays there where Brady has to move in the pocket and usually that sort of starts that the the final stage of that clock really ticking in your head starts to move and then it's like oh gotta get ready got it and you're like no you have you've actually got all day you can keep going don't worry about it you you've actually got significantly more time than that because this is the Vikings so there were a couple of those plays in there where he started and, and almost sort of panicked and just fired the ball out of there, and Minnesota wasn't going to get there if, you know, if they'd been rushing all week. Um, and then the flip side, Cousins was under pressure quite a lot, uh, and played all right under pressure, but it's just, it has a detrimental effect. Like, you just can't, you know, play at that level all game long.
0: I think as uh, as far as the Bucks go, I think people had soured on them, in part, they had you know, they lost to the Rams on Monday Night Football. They lost to the Chiefs. They'd, they're hitting what should be an easier part of their schedule. They have a real chance of going 11-5 and, and and moving up the NFC because they have the Falcons twice yep. and the Lions, right? So the Bucks have a chance to finish strong. The Vikings, we came in saying, all right, how much of this turnaround was based off of the teams that they had played and sneaking past teams like the Panthers and the Jaguars and everything. And, you know, I think – I think to your point, they're a step behind. But at the overall grand scheme of things, I think the Vikings are what we probably thought in the offseason, which is Kirk Cousins is on the, on the top end of quarterbacks, right? And they're rebuilding. And they've had rebuilding question marks at cornerback, and they found a nice player in Justin Jefferson. And, you know, I mean, they're in rebuilding mode with a non-rebuilding quarterback, so to speak, and it's all going to land around five hundred.
1: Yeah, we, I mean, we had three major questions on the Vikings coming into the season, right? Um, do they have enough weapons on offense because they just shipped off their best one in Stephon Diggs, to which the answer is yes. Justin Jefferson has almost exactly replaced what they lost in Diggs. So you have Jefferson, you have Dalvin Cook, you have Adam Thielen. Um, the, only, the question is not talent on offense. It's uh, do they deploy it in the right way, and are they still too conservative, and do they actually hurt themselves with play calling, etc.? Um, Question number two is you basically are relying on an entire stable worth of rookie cornerbacks. Can they hold up? Eh, the answer to that is probably not, but as much as you could possibly expect them to, they're doing okay. They're keeping their heads above water at this point. And then question three is that's one of the worst defensive lines in the NFL on paper, and it got worse because you lost Donnell Hunter before the game, or before anybody had even kicked the ball, right? Donnell Hunter goes down with, what was it, a neck injury that's— Started off as a sort of oh he's he's going to be on IR out a few weeks and then actually we're shutting him down for the year so and then you trade for um, Yannick Ngakwe to try and fix that that didn't do anything because you started with such a bad record you started shipping off pieces and that's ended up with the same issue right worst defensive line in the NFL or one of the worst so that's really one of the biggest things holding back this team right now so off season for them is. Let's hope the young cornerbacks improve. We've already invested in them. Let's really attack the defensive line. Denell Hunter will be good. We hope he comes back 100%, but he needs help. Like, he's the only guy on this defensive front right now. Outside of that, it's the same old story with the Vikings. I will say, as much as we harp on coverage
0: being more important than pass rush, I think that you, know, you like to talk about your sliders. The slider moves the other way with teams that like to rely on a four-man rush, right? So if you are a seattle cover three type scheme or mike zimmer mike zimmer will blitz and you know fake blitz and you know do a lot of you know stuff in and around the line of scrimmage but ultimately they need to get home with four or at least put some sort of pressure on four and again um they can't they can't right now and in in brady's you know 50 plus yard touchdown to scotty miller the fact that you can get to your second read and unleash a 50 yard pass i think does does well sum up the vikings so look for these teams the uh the narrative on these teams to kind of switch a little bit where it seemed like hey you know this was a big game for the vikings one game behind the bucks coming in but you know as we said
1: right and this, this was is why are. this was why as much as minnesota jumped into those playoff spots like the predictive models always said you know they're probably still not making the playoffs like other teams had a better shot given the run-in all right let's get through some of the other top games and let's go to the saints and eagles
0: let's go it's an eagles game really the eagles won 24 to 21 jalen hurts Statement game. <laughs> undefeated Jalen Hurts. Not too many undefeated quarterbacks. There aren't. In NFL history. Not anymore. 24 21, Eagles beat the New Orleans Saints. Now, do we want to overreact or do we want to talk about what happened?
1: Well, let's first of all uh, point out that it turns out I was quite wrong here. You know, uh, somebody pointed out that on our preview show, at some stage, it was like, "Do the Eagles have a chance?" And I scoffed, derisively, at that uh, and said, yeah, "No." Turns out they did. They, they had a chance. They won. So um,
0: we, we were both, you know, pretty pretty on on shtick with that then, right? So you made a ridiculous, firm statement: "No shot, Eagles." Mm. I said nine point spread at the time. I th- what was it? Right? It was seven. Whatever it was, it was over a touchdown, or at least a touchdown. And I said, "We don't know what we're going to get from Jalen Hurts." I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. It could be good. Mm. Could be bad. Very uh very on brand for me. Yes. Turns out Jalen Hurts actually didn't play all that well. However, he got away his worst pass he got away with, so it didn't actually come back to bite him. He did try to bring the Saints back in with turnover worthy plays. He did try to bring them back into the game. There was something different about the Eagles offense, and included an eighty yard touchdown run by Miles Sanders. Yeah. How much do we overrate the offense just kind of it looked different. It felt more efficient. A lot.
1: So here's the thing, right? You've got the Miles Sanders touchdown run. The Saints hadn't allowed a hundred yard rusher in like fifty five straight games or something. You blow one gap at the line of scrimmage and Miles Sanders scampers for eighty in one play, and that's in the that's your that's your spread, right? Right there. That one play, bam, spread's gone. Um then as you say, Jalen Hurts throws the ball to the opposition, doesn't get caught. That's a turnover that didn't happen so also the how did the saints not recover that onside kick at the end two different saints had that and somehow an eagles guy comes out of that pile with the ball anyway
0: onside kicks have somehow gotten a little bit more exciting at the same time the packers and lions had one too going on at the same time
1: and they almost got him i was thinking about this last night it's not even a daily topic but why do we why do we think that you shouldn't just be able to continue chasing the game right let's just if you can give them something easy to do the fourth and 15 play whatever it is right why is there a downside to being able to keep getting the ball back and chasing a game back like if you let it, let it happen it's more exciting that way well, it's the not best a, part it's of, not a daily topic no it's, it's not understand. and it's not even it's not a, this topic either it's just something i was musing yesterday when the onside kicks were all happening at the same time and you're like all this is doing is ending a potential comeback right now because none of these things are going to get recovered more fun just give them give the offense the ball back and see if they can come back from 21 points down that's all anybody wants to see now anyway um so the the weird thing is that we kind of had the analysis right which is or at least i did on the preview live show which you aren't a part of steve um my point was look jalen hurts is unlikely to be the silver bullet for this philadelphia offense um but What he might do is give you a baseline that's good enough for you to at least figure out what else is wrong with it in a way that Carson Wentz wasn't, right? Wentz was playing so badly from a basic foundational standpoint of a quarterback that it was impossible to tell what else is broken, right? Like, how bad is our offensive line? Because right now Wentz is just wandering into a sack every time he drops back. So, like, I can't tell how much of the offensive line— He's turning it over, to. He's not just getting sacked. But whatever. My point is— he drops back, sacked. It's like, well, what's the issue here? Hurts at least gives you this baseline of like, all right, this is a, a, a this is a normal quarterback, right? I can at least now look at this and identify where the problems are outside mm. of Jalen Hurts. I um, disagree. No, I, so I think that's what we're seeing is that, yeah, look, he's going to throw the ball to the opposition every now and again. And the fact that he can take off and make, a, make plays with his legs is a useful addition to the offense. But he at least showed you that it can function and that i think immediately takes the eagles from being like bottom of the nfc east joke to being all right now you can threaten pretty much anybody in a game if a couple things bounds your way
0: yeah i mean look the only part i disagree with is i don't know if this is some sort of referendum on the ability to evaluate the eagles roster as much as it's it's this was a jt barrett game the thing that i was talking about a few weeks ago about this new world of nfl quarterback where Jalen Hurts is going to end up with like a 40 PFF passing grade because he missed a ton of throws that were open through what easily should have been a pick six that was dropped. Had a couple accurate passes beyond the sticks. Good job. Okay, fine. But he had 18 carries for 106 yards. Yeah. He had seven. Miles Sanders, fantasy superstar, because he had an 82-yard run and two touchdowns. He had two touchdowns and one other first down, Miles Sanders. Jalen Hurts had seven first downs as a runner a couple scrambles and you know a whole bunch of design running game this was the JT Barrett game where the passing itself was not good and it's it's like an uncomfortable passing attack but you can still score points because your quarterback is a legitimate threat a part of the design running game a scrambling threat and all of that the Lamar Jackson analysis all of that leads to more open throws and more opportunities in the pass game whether you hit them or not Jalen Hurts, when he came out, I said there's no—he is not close to Lamar Jackson as a runner. He is not dynamic like him or anything like that. But he's got good—he's got a—he's—he's he's got good feel as a runner, and he's got enough straight line speed to you know pick up well, 15 when it's there. And yeah. that was the 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 this is the, the bottom line. The same thing I said about Taysom Hill, yes, Kyler Murray. The floor of the Eagles' offense has been lifted right. because ugly passing attack. Jalen Hurts
1: didn't matter because he ran for a buck six hundred six. That's the point, right? Forget Lamar Jackson. He gives you the same boost that a Taysom Hill or a Kyler Murray offense does, which is those rushing plays, seven first downs, right? Those are seven potential drive-extending plays that would have otherwise crapped out because his passing is not good enough, um, or at least wasn't in this game. So that is the critical thing, is that he's able to extend drives in a different way to certainly Carson Wentz right now, and in the same way that Taysom Hill and Kyla Murray are that even if they're not great passers they can keep you alive on offense in a way you know it's like we talked about before Patrick Mahomes has that cheat code the extra life on offense because of what he can do on third down now he does it with a, with passing but Jalen Hurts, Taysom Hill, Kyla Murray, Lamar Jackson all those guys that have that level of athleticism can give you those first downs on a scramble when it all breaks down you can take off and there's your extra life on offense you get to reset start over and you set it down um so yeah i i i mean jalen hurts was it's the right move right philadelphia can win some games with him a quarterback and for whatever the hell that's worth but i haven't seen anything from him yet to suggest that he's a he's an alternative option to carson wentz long term like ultimately if carson wentz can't be pieced back together the eagles still appear to be screwed at quarterback
0: let's that, and that's where I want to pump the brakes. I want. I'm going to quote QBR just for one minute. <laughs> okay. Only because ESPN's QBR, which I don't love overall, but that their number, I would say, weighs quarterback rushing more than any other number. So if you're going to have a favorable number, a favorable stat for a rushing quarterback, you'd probably look at QBR. I think they overrate quarterback rushing a little bit because I think they equate it one to one with air yards, which you know shouldn't happen. Because air yards can lead to more yards with yak and rushing yards can't but if anybody's going to weigh rushing yards it's espn's qbr jalen hurts had a 58.5 which is middle of the pack he was 19th in the league yesterday out of 31 it's an average game qbr wise so and i also don't think qbr because it's epa driven expected points at it it doesn't factor in the way we would the dropped would be pick six it does not give the same level of downgrade that we would so Jalen Hurts didn't have he didn't get sacked which QBR hates he had 106 yards on the ground and he had a drop pick six that probably didn't even show up in their formula really 58.5 so it's an average game for Jalen Hurts in a in a, a in a metric that would normally love a an outing where a quarterback ran for 100 yards and didn't get sacked just, just that baseline would, you know, QBR would love it. So it's just a little perspective. Yeah, he's going he's gonna to have a bad PFF passing grade, and that's going to be more predictive going forward. But I'm just saying, when you add that all up, the fact that e- QBR, which is results-driven and run-game-driven, still didn't love Hurts' performance. So let's at least, like, pump the brakes just a little bit.
1: Somehow we've – every time it comes time to talk about the Saints and Taysom Hill, you somehow find a way to avoid doing it. Here we are hours of talk on Jalen Hurts and the Eagles who still suck as an overall team. And you've got a team that was vying for the number 1 seed in the NFC loses their their game and we're not talking about Taysom Hill. Oh, this let's talk was Taysom. this was the game, right? We had two pretty good games against the Falcons, one pretty bad game against Denver. Now this was the game that showed us something and they lost. But did Taysom Hill play dramatically worse than before? No, I think it was a pretty Oh, it was a pretty good game overall. It was a pretty good game. Look,
0: in his best games, though, going back to the rushing attack here, he only ran five times for for thirty three yards. You usually get more out of him uh, from a run game perspective. Still trying to turn the ball over a little bit too much, but he also, you know, a couple nice throws down the field. Thirty seven yard at Emmanuel Sanders for a touchdown. Sanders did a nice job at the catch point there too. I think it. I think this more exemplified this is the Saints' offense that is difficult to defend with Michael Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders and Alvin Kamara and Jared Cook I think that that was kind of my takeaway this was the first time I actually saw Taysom Hill distribute to all of these guys and actually you know make the most of the supporting cast that they
1: have I yeah so his numbers look pretty good when you look at them box score overall by the end of the game now obviously the Saints found themselves in a hole And so a lot of that production came late when he was chasing the game when you would say, all right, it's probably over at this point. I know they got it to within that onside kick that they probably should have recovered. And, you know, theoretically, therefore, could have actually won the thing. Um, But he had, like, he accounted for, I think, what is 170, 180 yards by the end of the third quarter, which isn't great between running and passing. Then added on a ton in the fourth quarter. To his credit, when they were, like, in all right, chase the game. You need to win mode. He actually didn't do too bad. Now, it's not to say that. Look, it's it's great. It's the same as Drew Brees. Like, he, there's a lot of plays there where he should have put the ball in the air and didn't. You know, the, the five sacks was what really right really killed him. His killed biggest them. issue right now is the propensity to take sacks, which is I want to say young quarterbacks. Let's say young in experience as opposed to you know age, right? Um, all young. Quarterbacks, in terms of NFL experience, take too many sacks. It's just one of the things that quarterbacks do before they get a feel for playing in the NFL. He takes too many sacks. And his other biggest issue is fumbles. Like, for a guy who's, you know, came from a gimmick role where you're like the designated rusher slash tight end, his inability to hold on to the football is kind of amazing. Like, those are the two biggest things that hold him back from any kind of future as a legitimate starting quarterback. If he could fix those, he actually wouldn't be a bad player at all. So just the
0: the sack thing you can get better at. Yes. The fumble thing is a little quirky. I mean, Daniel Jones is dealing with it. At some point, you assume Daniel Jones isn't going to fumble once per game <laughs> going forward. So those those things should get better. The The internal clock thing is interesting because, I th- you know, Carson Wentz coming out, it seemed like he was really slow and he got better. Do, guys do get better. Jimmy Garoppolo had times early in his career where he seemed slow and then he really sped up his process. Can t- I don't know if Taysom Hill can do that, though. If Taysom Hill can improve that, they will have something. But I think his slow internal clock was a big part of the five sacks yesterday. And uh, five sacks, none of which came from Brandon Graham, who's really, hmm. really affecting my um, my ability to win a lunch. From yeah. Hill. It's like four straight games with no sacks after sitting there at seven. Yeah. After a, uh-huh. a bunch of weeks.
1: Yeah. You're in yeah, you're not you're not in good shape right now. Seven with how no. many games left? Three. Uh that's that's an average that Brandon Graham doesn't typically hit. One per game? Yeah. No. He usually does not average no. one per game. That would this would be a real kick in the stones one for the lunch record. I mean, whatever about like starting the sixteen game schedule, hoping Brandon Graham will get to double digits. You know, in any given year. There's there's a chance. When he gets to seven after like whatever it was, half the year and you're like all right now all i need is three for the rest of the season you would think yeah i got a pretty good shot at this point and then yeah nothing nothing that's unfortunate
0: hey guys life is full of questions like what would happen to my family if something happened to me am i saving enough for retirement and is now the right time to start thinking about life insurance just to name a few no one should have to settle for answers to these life-altering questions that involve gray areas or leaving things to chance And with Western and Southern, you won't have to. Backed by over 130 years of experience gathering insights, building strategies, and helping customers choose the right solutions. Together, we can look ahead to leave the unknown behind. Western and Southern Financial Group, life insurance, retirement, and investments.
1: Compensated endorser products issued by member companies of Western and Southern Financial Group, Cincinnati, Ohio.
0: See what happens, we need Brandon. We just give me a three sack game so I can get the launch from you. Anyway, bottom line is let's not overreact. Um, Taysom Hill actually outplayed Jalen Hurts, and look if you if you take out the 82 yard run by Miles Sanders, which was great, things. I mean, that's a, we don't that's even a have to take
1: point. it out, right? The that's that's the reason the Eagles won the game, right? I mean, yeah. you don't have to remove it. Let's just say, look. The Eagles won this game because of a play that typically doesn't happen against the Saints. This team is not allowed a hundred yard rusher in like fifty-five games. That's a lot of games. Suddenly you rattle off one eighty yard score, and that's that is the difference between the two teams. The end. Like you don't have to remove it. You just have to explain that that, that play is the reason they won, not because Jalen Hurts was the second coming of whoever. Like Jalen Hurts didn't play that great, but it didn't need to because they had a running back rattle off an 80-yard touchdown. JT
0: Barrett game for Jalen Hurts. Really nice game from uh, Javon Hargrave on the defensive interior for the Eagles. Josh Sweat, a couple sacks, showed his athleticism, tracking down Taysom Hill. So nice job by the Eagles. Bottom line, too, I don't know how much stock we put in this. The Eagles played better. The team played better with a new guy under center. Our numbers don't point to that. We're not supposed to focus on that. I do think there is something to that, though and i think that's something the Eagles. well we've got to see more of it but i think that's something the eagles certainly noticed um most importantly here the saints fall from the number one seed out of the number one seed and the green bay packers take their spot we'll talk about the packers in a little bit let's talk colts and raiders 44 27 a bit of a back and forth game and then the colts pull away in the end Uh, at the end of the game john gruden had some comments about how he's going to go look for answers on defense and he legitimately did he has fired his defensive coordinator Paul Gunther I always wonder what that dynamic is like like is Gruden just like so fed up with his employee essentially that he's like all right this guy's got to go or he just needs to all right we got to shake it up we got to do something and change it but yeah poor poor game by the Raiders and it was uh Jonathan uh, Taylor was that was the hot hand guy today.
1: Mm, he was nice he definitely was um to his credit i mean it not even to his credit it part of that is that the colts were opening up some pretty yawning chasms along the offensive line and he just had to run in a straight line but through the gap how about that breakaway speed yes how about that forecast guys jonathan
0: taylor with that breakaway speed eric
1: yeah, he did. He took advantage of the giant gap that was in front of him and ran all the way for the touchdown. But, you know, let's let's give the offensive line some credit there. Um, yeah, the, this was kind of how we expected it to go, right? The Raiders just didn't have enough on defense to slow down the Colts. Um, so Jonathan Taylor had a big game. Phillip Rivers, when he's protected, you know, has good Phillip Rivers games. Um, the Raiders were keeping pace for a lot of the game. And then, again, like, just a couple of plays bounce the other way, right? Literally, you hit a running back in the flat in his hands. It bounces away for a pick six. Right. Bam, big play going against you. And then pass to Darren Waller in the end zone. And Kenny Moore, all five-foot-nine of them, skies up above the six-foot-six tight end, snags it out of the air one-handed. Like, again, those are, those are giant plays that swing the outcome of games that, you know, every— we go, we do these preview um, analyses of games and you start talking about, you know, the, the difference in spread of the points here and there. And like, these are the one individual plays that change those to the tune of seven points, right? Like, it's absurd that we try and like, parse whether two and a half or three or three and a half is the right line. When like these individual plays are the things that swing the thing by giant uh, chunks of points. Kenny
0: Moore so he has the incredible one-handed interception man he is he's been fantastic since joining the Colts in 2018 just an unheralded slot corner I mentioned him a few weeks back how on back-to-back plays he had to like cover I forget which tight end it was be it um was against the Lions he had to cover Danny Amendola on one play and TJ Hawkinson on the next play right like a big huge tight end and a short shifty slot receiver so this is similar he's in coverage against Darren Waller one of the most difficult tight ends in the NFL he jumps up and makes a play Kenny Moore's just got he's got good length and ball skills and all that stuff I mean just an underrated really solid player for the Colts the last few years and fun to watch and a guy that does he gets beat right he gets beat at times because he's just in a really difficult role but he always seems to show up and, and make plays so huge game there I think it's it comes back to as much as we talk about quarterback play I think I just really like the Colts all-around team right i think you know they've got they're just solid across the board defensively offensive line usually is pretty good they had this was one of those games where that the run game you know showed up for them and and made like again those big plays by jonathan taylor so i I just think they can win in different ways and as we get closer to the playoffs the ability to win in different ways i think the colts have that in their
1: favor this was a massive game for AFC playoff seeding for making the playoffs, period. Um, The Colts put themselves in a really good spot by winning. Uh, They kept in lockstep with the Tennessee Titans, who obviously had Jacksonville. Um, They are in the number six seed because Miami lost. The Raiders, on the other hand, now have a giant mountain to climb to even hope to make the playoffs. They're a game back from that seventh seed, and their run-in is not exactly easy, but it does feature the team above them in the wildcard spot so they have the chargers they have the broncos and they have miami and they need to win out they need to win probably all three of those games like miami is the big one because they're a game ahead of them and us currently occupying that uh spot but also baltimore is ahead of them and baltimore could well jump above them like like they could win out so the raiders are in a real hole now need to win out and hope they get some things bounce their direction
0: yeah the Raiders the the analysis a few weeks ago was okay they they played their Super Bowl against the Chiefs and how much of that is just okay it's division games now looking back are the Raiders just not as good as we thought and it's just hey these division games against the Chiefs they don't really I I don't even want to say they match up well against the Chiefs but they they attached down the field really well against the Chiefs this year and didn't really slow them a ton defensively but enough I don't know man it it felt like they should I thought they were gonna bounce back here and you know in in these big games you know play up but to your point a couple quirky plays here and there right yeah so it wasn't like they got absolutely demoralized here by the Colts
1: right I think their offense did about as well as you could expect right this is the this went as you would expect it to right the Colts and the Raiders should both put up points but or Oakland Las Vegas has a bad defense So in theory, the Colts should put up more points, right? Whereas the Colts actually have a pretty good defense. And even against a good offense like the Raiders, they should be able to limit them to some degree. And that's, okay, it ended up because of a couple of weird plays, but that's basically what happened, right? The Colts were more successful in offense than the Raiders were because they have the advantage on defense. And that's the conclusion that the Raiders came to after the game as well. It's like, look, our defense is just playing too badly right now. Let's fire somebody um i'm not sure that's the correct like solution to the problem but that is the issue right their defense right now is not good enough for this team to be contending with the very best in the afc so the colts move to nine and
0: four they are tied with the titans at nine and four atop the pretty difficult afc south it turns out
1: hashtag how hard could it be They're pretty difficult huh.
0: for the you know for winning at the top you need more than nine wins to win in the afc south presumably if both teams don't, you know, lose out. So 9 and 4 Titans and 9 and 4 Colts now in the AFC South. It's quite a battle over there. Love it. All right. What else? Uh, let's go to Sunday Night Football and then we'll go rapid fire through some of the other games.
1: Are you uh are you signing an apology form? Stop it. No? For what? For doubting Josh Allen, for being wrong. They scored 20 points offensively.
0: Hmm. This is the game, this is the game you want to sign an apology form.
1: This is the game. I think you're due at this point. I mean, last week he was pretty good. This week he beat the Steelers. Get out of here. Um, You're just
0: trolling me on Twitter now. mm -hmm. You've got this amazing ability because you you muted every Bills fan that attacked you for two years. (laughs) Muted. (laughs) Yet you still, because they're muted and not blocked, you still can rally the troops. So you just start tweeting at me about this Josh Allen apology form and then i get forms fired at me and yeah let's, let's go let's go steve it's time mm-hmm. it's time yeah the bills have scored 16 points offensively Like it's we, we've we've proven our point i
1: just i think it's time i think you really should i think you're letting yourself down at this point dying on this hill get out of here josh allen settled down after a, a rough start the second
0: straight week the steelers defense went from everything's contested everything's tight window everything's difficult to it felt like they got figured out um, to the point of to the tune of twenty points offensively here, but against the the football team the previous week.
1: Well, there was a period where where Buffalo just went all right. You know what? We're just going to give the ball to Diggs every play. Throw
0: to Diggs, particularly over the middle, and uh, there we go. Yeah, unstoppable. Turns
1: out when he like makes a cut inside, his DB will fall over, and then we just need to hit him the, with the pass. I mean, Diggs is the guy that won the game here for the Bills. <laughs> Diggs was the Diggs was the best player who uh, who was throwing the ball to Diggs. Steve, Josh Allen. Yeah, yeah.
0: Diggs was the player of the game here. Um, but against the football team last week, they couldn't move the ball. And then all of a sudden, like busted coverage after busted coverage for the Steelers. Last night, they did a really nice job early on putting a little bit of pressure, making things difficult on the Bills offense. But the Bills did a nice job of adjusting the uh, Bills offensive coordinator. How do we pronounce his name? You said it's different every single time.
1: I have never heard two different people pronounce his name the same way. Day Bowl, right? I... I don't know. I I've literally heard every single well, human I've ever heard say his name and said it different to the last person I heard it say it. We will
0: find out once, they, once he gets head coaching offers, but I think he deserves a ton of credit for many things. In part, part of Josh Allen's development, part, the pass first, the, just the pass when you're supposed to run, run when you're supposed to pass nature of the Bills offense. That has been fantastic. And then in this game, I thought they made really nice adjustments right in part streaky josh allen got hot in the second half there how dare you Gets a little streaky but brian dable has done a really nice job with this offense and i thought josh allen has improved again pocket presence short area accuracy just completing his game overall so you know really nice job by the bills who continue to show They're a well-rounded team that can win in different ways. I love it.
1: Yeah, Eric uh, Eager from the PFF forecast made this point on the live show um, before the games this weekend that the Bills are one of those teams that do everything the right way, right? They pass on first and 10. They they do all the things that the analytics say are just cheap, easy percentage points to make you have the most success possible. The Bills do all of those right, right now. So they're giving... They're just raising your baseline, right? Whatever... Your average level of play would be, in any given situation, Buffalo is raising theirs slightly compared to almost every other team in the NFL.
0: By the way, this is how we described the Ravens last year, right? Yeah, yeah. Just winning on all those edges. It's
1: just a free little boost to everything. So they're doing things the smart way, and they have a quarterback who's improved, and they have Stephon Diggs, who is a potential game-breaker at any given moment. I think... I think the Steelers are the more interesting team to talk about coming out of this, so we could just wrap up the Bills, but they're now 10-3. and They've took control of the division because, more to talk about with the bills. because Miami lost. Josh Allen is heading in the right direction. Some people should probably sign an apology form. Um, they're chasing down Pittsburgh for the second seed, for whatever that means these days, given that it doesn't give you a buy anymore. Um, but Buffalo is now maybe the team in pole position in terms of who's most likely to beat the Chiefs I
0: want to wrap up the bills with this though Brandon Bean the G- general manager just signed an extension mm-hmm. I think they've made all the right moves. They're, they're not just making the right moves on Sundays every Tuesdays, but much. from the top down the way they've built around Josh Allen they started with the offensive line and remember a couple off seasons ago they they signed like 12 guys they just brought in a million dudes let's figure it out they've crept back toward average on the offensive line they did that right Then, over two off-seasons, adding John Brown, Cole Beasley, and Stephon Diggs. John Brown's been banged up, but clearly all three of those guys, when healthy, have been game changers. They have built this offense the right way, and then they have a defense that is not star-studded by any means, but has overall, for the three-plus years that Sean McDermott's been there now, has played really well and done a nice job. So I just like, from a team-building effort all the way across the board, I think the Bills deserve a ton of credit
1: agreed um, let's go to the Steelers now yes
0: so they were overrated a couple weeks ago clearly yes I did say that they were underrated the other day because I didn't think that they should have been underdogs against the Bills clearly I was wrong the Bills covered what do we even make of the Steelers now who went from chasing the 72 Dolphins to now losing two straight
1: so the biggest thing is they cannot continue to drop as many damn passes as they've been dropping. It's really bad. One of the things we were saying about these, the Steelers versus the Chiefs, is that Pittsburgh doesn't have the margin for error that Kansas City has, right? Because the Chiefs are so aggressive and can score in any given moment, they can screw up plenty. You can drop a pass; it doesn't matter because the next play we're going to throw fifty yards and it's a touchdown. If Pittsburgh is going to continue to execute this death by a thousand paper cuts offense the way the patriots did for years you cannot screw up by dropping simple passes and deontay johnson may be their best receiver overall but he's now got a chronic case of the dropsies, and that's that's like that's a death that's a death sentence for this offense
0: i know the patriots get called the dink and dunk team well they were not even close to this right this is the dinkiest and dunkiest team that I think I've ever seen. The Patriots were never this though. We're talking like Brady's average depth of target was never in the sixes. Well, they always had the sevens. It they always
1: off. had a deep shot off the bank of it somewhere, even if it was to tight ends, even if it was to Gronk. But they the attacked.
0: Scene. They attacked the intermediate. Brady is one of the better short and intermediate throwers, right? Yeah, he would throw. The point the is, there's, no, there's year nothing year beyond this. There's not even an intermediate range for Roethlisberger right now. Forget the deep stuff. This is really just like, get it out as fast as possible. And it's not just screens. It's, you know, screens and drags and slants and just over and over and over again. It is the dinkiest and dunkiest passing offense in the league.
1: I said we were going to read out this tweet before the show, and I neglected to check the name of the person that uh, wrote <sighs> it. Not for, like, rudeness, but for pronunciation purposes. Oh, okay. um, this I thought was it was f- something f- No, this is from somebody called Rohan uh, Carney, I Rohan think. Rohan Davy. Let's, no, Rohan Nadkarni, let's call him, um, who I think summed up Roethlisberger with one of my favorite tweets of all time. Roethlisberger looks and plays like he just ate a full Thanksgiving dinner, but all the kids begged him to come outside and throw them some passes. And it honestly, it's true. Oh, That's my. exactly what he looks like right now.
0: I reread it like five times and I'm just like, yeah, I've been. I, everyone else has been watching Big Ben all season. Yeah. And, and you've been like, something's off. And in uh, Rohan here. Nailed it absolutely nailed it you know you just got you overate a little bit and you got to get out there and waddle around and uh (laughs) make some throws
1: waddle yeah waddling is a good term to describe what Roethlisberger is doing right now I mean there's nothing dynamic about his
0: uh his game his athleticism right now and then uh our friend Ross Tucker Ross Tucker football podcast he's on the sideline I believe for the game last night he's like does big Ben's arm look shot so in this, you know, every every time an old quarterback plays poorly, you have to say that he's done. It's not just based off performance. It should be essentially based off of, like, physical skill. And when you see a decline in physical skill, that's more the more alarming thing, not just, like, a bad game. Big Ben is not throwing the ball with zip. He threw a pick six. Teron Johnson made a great break on it and all that stuff. But the ball had nothing on it. And it was an easy pick six. I mean, whatever. It was a pick six by Teron Johnson. There is some concern with... The general velocity on the ball from Big Ben coming off of last year's injury. this
1: yeah look, I, Tom Brady has broken everybody's interpretation of what an old ass quarterback is supposed to look like. Right? They've all reached the point that class of quarterbacks. Eli is retired. Philip Rivers is shot putting his way through his you know final season probably with the, with Indianapolis. And Roethlisberger is at the helm of what should be a really good team. They're they're all declining. They've all reached the. Uh, breeze is a couple of years older he looks toast tom brady is somehow 43 years old because of the avocados in the water is still out there slinging the ball down the field to scotty miller looking fine um th- like this is what an old quarterback is supposed to look like so yeah roethlisberger has probably declined physically to the point where it, sometimes it's going to look kind of ugly but that isn't the reason for what we're seeing right there is something there schematically or wh- maybe roethlisberger has decided this is the way to play they're missing too much right now of the offense. It's all underneath, it's all short, it's all dink and dunk. They don't have anything scaring teams away from attacking them, and that's the big problem, right? Now, Buffalo is a good team at taking away the deep pass, so it was exacerbated, like the, the problems were just magnified against them, right? That you're already, um, you're already missing this component of the offense, now you're facing a team that actively takes that away and it just looks like a farce. But right now, this team doesn't have enough of an intermediate or a deep threat to scare anybody. So now you you're it's back to the the Drew Brees Saints, right? You now have to be hyper efficient to be successful on offense in a way the Chiefs don't have to be. You have to be absurdly efficient and um consistent in picking up those five yard passes, which means you can't drop a pass. Can't be dropped ever often, right? So Michael Thomas, one of the best drop rates in the NFL. Deontay Johnson, like all the Pittsburgh receivers dropped the ball.
0: Deontay Johnson, Eric Ebron,
1: I mean. These are guys that have had drop histories, right? So you need to give them a bigger margin for error. You need to let them attack further down the field.
0: But I want to touch on what you just said, though. The whole schematically for Pittsburgh, they have the answers, though. We talked about how the Bills built that receiving core. The way the Steelers have built this receiving core, knowing what we know about Chase Claypool now knowing that he can be a legitimate downfield threat, the Steelers have the answers on the roster. Yes. Deontay Johnson has, like, he just had the drops. Drops, he's, like, really bad. But Deontay Johnson's an outstanding route runner. He's going to be open. And over time, he's going to catch those passes. Ebron is a decent middle-of-the-field threat at tight end with some athleticism. James Washington can do some things down the field. And then Chase Claypool and Juju Smith-Schuster. Like, they have the answers on the roster to not just dink and dunk the entire time. So... I, maybe it's maybe it's a Roethlisberger thing. It seems he does have a lot of control over the offense, and we talked about this on the other on the preview show. He is losing the cheat codes that the Bills are using, play action and pass when you're supposed to run. He, Big Ben doesn't use play action. Right. He doesn't use the QB sneak. He doesn't use the cheat code type of stuff. So which, which is this again
1: a, means you just need to be more efficient than you should otherwise. Right.
0: So is is this a comfort level with him and not trusting his arm and all that stuff? And he's. Uh, apparently post-game, quote, if I don't play good enough football, then I need to hang it up. But I still feel I I can do enough things to help this team win games, end quote. That's Big Ben. And I
1: think he can too, right? As much as we were saying, look, the MVP candidacy for Big Ben a couple of weeks ago was a joke. Like, he was never playing anywhere near that level. No. He is good enough for this team to be efficient on offense. And he is good enough on third down to make up for some deficiencies on first and second down. And he's even good enough to be um, eschewing, eschewing, what the hell is that word? Anyway, passing up, ignoring, okay. giving away those free uh, percentage points in terms of play action, all those kinds of things. But something, somebody needs to take control of this offense, whether it's him, whether it's play calling, and say, we are not being aggressive enough. We need to change the dynamic of what we're doing right now. Because if we play like this, we cannot beat the best teams in the ASC. We cannot win a Super Bowl playing like this. So it's not just, you know, work at it harder. It's not just, Ben, pull your head out of your ass and start playing better. Somebody needs to make a fundamental shift in what they're doing on offense and attack deeper down the field. Otherwise, this team is capped at how good they can be.
0: Huge game for the Bills, as you said, moving forward to that uh, number two seed. Bigger day for the Kansas City Chiefs, who are now in full control of that number one seed number and one scary seed. for the nfl in a year where the number one seeds more valuable than ever well except home field advantage maybe not so the number one seed is more
1: valuable than ever because you're the only team that doesn't play a game right you but you don't have like home field advantage is no longer as big an advantage. if it's no longer any advantage according right. to the numbers no i know that but the number one seed being the only team with the buy I know that, but it's what I'm saying is like more valuable than ever. It's also offset by the fact that your home field advantage through through the playoffs yeah, is true. no longer an advantage. True.
0: Maybe they'll let all the fans back, and
1: it'll be maybe it'll
0: be an advantage. All right, the rest of the week was a little bit less competitive. We'll go through the rest of the games here. Let's touch on Green Bay, Detroit, because there were playoff implications there. You mentioned right when we got here in the studio at like 3 a.m. You mentioned. <laughs> it feels like the Packers are never pulling away right yeah. they have control of games and they're never pulling away it's almost like remember last year they they would just be good on like their first two drives and then just kind of let everybody back in it, they never really felt like they dominated this year they're dominating more but still not pulling away in Detroit they went uh, Packers went 31 to 24 but it took I mean it ended up pretty close at the end
1: here yeah I guess it's a similar story to the Chiefs in terms of they're not they're not just stomping teams the way that arguably they should be, given how good they are on offense and how talented the quarterback is and his receivers. Like every time you looked up in this game, Aaron Rodgers was just flinging the ball to Devontae Adams and it was an easy pitch and catch. And you think like, why are they not scoring 50 and absolutely destroying the Lions? Um, And somehow they don't. They just, it, it, it feels like, I think maybe because of the last couple of years with Rodgers, it feels like a sort of percentage that they're not tapped into in a way that it isn't with Kansas City where we already know that Mahomes is absurd and he's just capable of doing it at any given moment. With the Rodgers thing, it's like he's definitely raised his game and is playing at least as well as Mahomes this season. But it just, it feels like they're holding themselves back at this point in a way that we know that the Chiefs aren't necessarily doing. I don't know. There's just something strange about watching Green Bay these days. Rodgers was just incredibly efficient
0: again. And, as we talked about the drops of Deontay Johnson, Marquez valdez Scantling, the guy that we've talked about a lot. Held on to a couple. Yeah. He caught all six of his targets for 85 and a score.
1: And some contested ones.
0: Yes. And again, I think this is why, like, drops are a little overrated. You don't necessarily need to put somebody in the doghouse. Like, if, if you are, if you bring something to the table as a receiver, height, weight, speed, well, height, speed, ball skills, after the catch ability, whatever it is, got to go back to these guys. Valdez Scantling has big play ability that really complements Devontae Adams well. Now, Devontae Adams is more of like a possession plus type of guy. Of course, he takes like a back shoulder, 56 yards. That doesn't really happen, right? You just break away from over, over yep for 56 yards. But overall, Adams is like the move the chains guy and valdez Scanling's the dude who's stretching the field and you know you need those guys you need both uh you know on and rogers plays another incredibly efficient game he's on pace for one of the best quarterback grades we've ever seen mm-hmm. and it's it's just one of the stories of the season the level of efficiency that he is playing with on a weekly basis uh the comfort level rogers threw for three touchdowns ran for another one and uh the Green Bay Packers take over the number 1 seed. So we're looking at the top 2 graded quarterbacks in the NFL, Rodgers and Mahomes, both now lined up with the number 1 seeds. And as you mentioned on the PFF Daily, when we're talking about the Chiefs, like that's is that the Super Bowl we deserve, a little Packers Chiefs. Right.
1: 2020 has been the worst year anybody's had. It's been a mess, it's been a disaster, COVID, everything. 2021, the Super Bowl rolls around. It feels like we deserve Aaron Rodgers versus Patrick Mahomes both playing like the best quarterback in the NFL just lighting it on fire and putting up like 60 points apiece like a a big 12 game right Texas Baker Mayfield Patrick Mahomes Texas Tech against Oklahoma where they both put up like 60 that's what we deserve in the Super Bowl in 2021
0: bold see if we can get there Um, other side Matthew Stafford quietly actually playing some good football I think you know question marks about where Detroit goes and uh, a lot of rumors that Stafford gets traded. People have talked about the Patriots. You know, the, are the Patriots in the mix there? Do the Colts end up going there? I think Stafford's going to be a, a hot topic this off season too. Denver, Denver could be a team, and uh, we'll see with the where the
1: Lions go. But again, there he's only six two though, right? Denver probably not interested. <sighs> I've seen someone else make that joke, Sam. Come on, only six three according to our listed height. Oh, that's okay. That's perfect. Hey, yeah, it's a little. On... John a can work with size. John, John can work with six three.
0: <clears throat> Excuse me. Anyway, the Lions have a lot of rebuilding to do over there. That's going to be an interesting one because they brought in so many Patriots. <laughs> <laughs> like they built, they they did everything they could. Yeah,
1: it's like all the guys that nobody else wants, but they function in the Patriot system to go to the right, and then they're going to come in and start playing cover two all the time, and the, know, it's going to look. Different. I was thinking about how to describe that defense because you know it was like, well, they've been working with this patricia thing and now you get rid of patricia what can you build in like 10 days just by getting rid of the guy that was hamstringing everybody and it's like you look into a drawer and you know you just get that massive tangle cables every now and again you're like what like every cable in there is useful like the pieces work it's just it's going to take you a week and a half to unpick them all and get actual things that you need out of it. That's the Detroit secondary right now. I think the pieces are all there. Like There's actually useful components there.
0: That's why I thought they could be good. Right,
1: but it's going to take some time for somebody to go through and untangle that mess um, and actually turn it into some useful individual pieces. I still go back to the biggest mistake I
0: think that the Lions made was their first year of team building was all about the toughness. It was all about the toughness and the run game it was honestly I think the the same mistake former Patriot uh, Thomas Dimitrov made when he went to the Falcons and you just got big dudes up front to stop the run gotta get tougher forgot about pass rush forgot about covering on the back end forgot about the pass game on offense now eventually they got there at least offensively they got some pieces offensively but man I think that was I think that was the mistake that kind of set them back over the last couple years all right let's go through the rest of the slate here denver broncos win 32 27 over the carolina panthers i think it's just what does this mean what are the quick takeaways for a lot of these games because there were not a ton of playoff implications uh the rest of the slate here
1: drew lock and we said before the game we've got to, it's time to see something from drew lock he has to show something down the stretch now it's a one game it might not mean anything he's done it before panthers defense but he showed something like this was a game where good drew lock showed up and we saw a few big-time throws wasn't perfect, had some mistakes in there as well, but absurdly productive, and Denver unleashed K.J. Hamler deep down the field, and now, more to the point Drew Locke was actually able to hit him. Now picture
0: Matthew Stafford throwing to Jerry Judy. But
1: Drew Locke playing at that level was, was Matthew Stafford. Like, that's the same guy. True.
0: It was. The oh, point it was, is, good. It was good. I
1: mean, I was thinking this before the weekend. Like, have, you, have we reached the point in the season where there isn't even enough time for you to see enough from Drew Locke, right? Like, if he plays on fire for the next four games, is it even enough for you to be like, yeah, he's the guy? Not me, because
0: at the end of the season, we're going to rank quarterbacks. And if Locke, even if Locke goes off
1: those last four games. We've doesn't... seen it before, right? Sam Darnold has had a four-game stretch. Geno Smith had a 4 like correct. Yeah, so we've the reached two... the point where like, you're already screwed. Now, to be
0: fair, currently, I just snapped, Drew Locke has 1,000 snaps in his career. So he's, he's got about a season's worth. And so he'll have a season and a quarter of, of uh, data to look at. It's not so much that he can't get there. It's just how patient am I going to be right, with Drew Locke. I'm going to go at the end of the season. There's, there's going to be 32 starting quarterbacks in the NFL next year, Sam. They will, Steve. Where could you honestly see Drew Locke ranking in that group and if he he's not he's close to 32 next year right he's he's yeah. in the he's in the 20s I he's mean, probably in the high 20s so unless i feel like he's going to be top 10 to 15 i'm going to be looking elsewhere i think you have to be
1: but i think his biggest uh the thing in his favor the most is again as we keep talking about this right does john elway have the kind of time to be like you know what i need to start over a quarterback again we well, could start over with, with a Stafford. May, well maybe but my point is if drew lock shows anything down the stretch right the last few games if drew lock ha- gives any slight glimmer of hope that he's the guy like elway has to latch onto that and be like sweet it's moving in the right direction i got him all the weapons we're good drew lock looks fantastic next year next year's when he puts it all together and boom breakout year pro Bowl. we go back to the promised land this is how it started for me it was rough when i began back in the day in the 1980s like Mm. Elway, I think, will latch onto that like it's, you know, <laughs> I'm trying to come up with an analogy. I didn't have anything that wasn't offensive. Elway will latch onto that massively um, in a way a lot of other people wouldn't, and we certainly wouldn't. Um, and this was the first game. like not, not the first ever, but the first game down the stretch. Drew Locke did show something, albeit against the Panthers. The weapons that he's been wasting earlier in the season became big because of that. Um, this was encouraging
0: sometimes the things you don't say are the good work
1: the ones to save your job
0: yeah (laughs) that was that was well done I mean you too bad you did not have that type of self-awareness on the hot hand thing yeah but uh all right encouraging by Drew Locke Uh, Carolina again interesting because I think the offense can overall move the ball they've done a really nice job Joe Brady's done a nice job calling plays they drafted all defensive players last year and it's very risky to do that again but they still have a lot of issues on the defensive side of the ball that need to be attacked. So we'll make for an interesting offseason in Carolina as they continue to rebuild. Let's go to the uh, 2017 quarterback class bowl. Mitch Trubisky, 36, Deshaun Watson, 7.
1: Oh. Well, it's as we've already said, that uh, clearly the Bears made the right choice at the top of that draft. Oh, man. So Trubisky,
0: again, was kind of – Bears fans don't care anymore. <laughs> But he has a pretty average grade in this game, despite the really good stats. He had a screen for, you know, a little bubble screen for a
1: touchdown. He made some nice throws and stuff in there, but he's still... The Texans' defense is so bad that David Montgomery was able to make a breakaway run and go 80 yards without being chased down. Yes. That's it... never happened before. David Montgomery has all the breakaway speed of a child's toy. Like, whenever he breaks through the line, you're like, all right, that's going to get another 15 yards before right everybody chase him down. Ran away from the whole Texans defense.
0: So, talk about Trubisky really quick. Listen, while you're talking about David Montgomery, he's starting to become what we thought he not. He's not a 10 yards per carry, 80 yarder in the middle of there type of guy, but he's making dudes miss. Yeah, finding the end zone the last couple weeks. Montgomery's become and you know doing a little bit in the pass game as well. This was the game when the the this was 2018 flashbacks for me. If the Bears uh, mattered right now. The fans would be complaining about Mitchell when their grades come out. Premium stats 2.0. Mitch had a passer rating of 126.7 in a mid-tier They're
1: not dead and buried in the playoff race, by the way.
0: They're a game bank from that last wild card. True. I know they're not completely out of it. But this gave me – look, I know it's the Texans' defense, but it did give me some 2018 flashbacks, though, because Trubisky's stats, you know, a bubble screen and – Uh, Allen Robinson you know catch and run for 40 and all these all these plays and it was it was a whole lot of screen game and boot like just boot play action they did a really nice job scheming it up again it's the Texans they're really bad everywhere but they did a nice job Cole Komet you know playing some uh big boy football with 41 receiving yards on four catches you know that's getting both of the tight ends involved Darnell Mooney and his speed it was a pretty good move. It was a pretty good, pretty good day of the Bears distributing the ball and their playmakers doing some work. And Trubisky overall played a solid game.
1: Yeah, I'm not. I'm not going to waste life energy talking about Mitchell Trubisky. His time is done. He's gone. Um, wow. I felt sorry for Deshaun Watson in this game. The, heading into the game, this was. It's been Deshaun Watson on his own all season long, right, for the Texans. But at least he's had somebody to work with in terms of receiving weapons, and that's part of the reason why he's played better this year than he has in previous seasons, even with new Hopkins there, everybody's hurt. Everybody was missing. Brandon it was, cooks it was literally yeah. him on his own at this point, trying to get things done. And he couldn't like, it, and it wasn't a failing of his. It was just at some point you need something to work with. Um, and he didn't, like we were saying, you know, the the terrible Deshaun Watson game that he's avoided so far this year, if it's going to come up, this isn't a bad spot to predict one it wasn't he played okay like he did about survived as well survived another week right he did about as well as you could possibly expect given the situation um and yet he just got murdered behind everything that was
0: out there so in in here's the point here it, his offensive line didn't play great there was a lot of quick pressure in there he got sacked 6 times it was a little bit of the old it the old Watson on those plays where he's drifting and Which and is inevitable when you have no receivers you have nobody right you have this is where again receivers who get open protect The quarterback and protect the offensive line and the 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 Texans didn't have it and that's why Watson got sacked six times and AJ McCarron on his one drop back got sacked for a 12-yard loss after Watson I thought Watson was he looked like he was really hurt uh early in or some point in the game
1: did you see have you seen Khalil Mack's um grade versus pressure numbers this season I know his grades really good. So a couple of people were tweeting yeah. about this yesterday. That his like, low sack totals. Yeah. Well, so if you his combined sack and hit total is oh, it's like really behind bad. a bunch of garbage players, right? Yeah. And I was I like, all right, but we know is we know he's playing really well. So and interestingly, when you look up his pressure total, it's kind of crappy as well. i like guess pressures are nowhere. Um, but his PFF grade is off the charts, and one of the reasons is he has the second most. It might even be first most now. I haven't checked since this morning. But he had the second most uh, pass rush wins that don't become pressures, right? We call them defeated blocks. Essentially, if I whoop the left tackle, but the quarterback's looking to his right and the ball comes out before I get to him, it's not not pressure. pressure. He doesn't know it's coming. He's never pressured on the play. But the left tackle is lying face first in the turf, and I'm about to murder the quarterback. So it's definitely a pass rush win that should be counted in his favor. Khalil Mack essentially leads the league in those this season, right? For whatever reason, the ball is getting out before he can get home with the pressure, but he is absolutely crushing it. And again, like in this game, <laughs> like a PFF grade of 93, he was off the charts good, and yet I don't know that he had uh, phenomenal pass rushing stats. Did he? Let's pull him up.
0: And you know, a lot of those, too, are when you get help from uh, double team as well. You take care of one guy, and then someone else comes. And he did help, at least have whatever. seven
1: total pressures in this game, so he's yeah. good. But six of them were hurries, right? Again, hit one sack, no hits, six hurries, one extra pass rush win. Uh, like his, if you're looking at his pressure totals or his sack totals or his hit totals, I'm like, yeah, Khalil Mack's having a kind of quiet season. No, he's not. He's crushing okay. it. That's why you got to watch the film, Sam. Got to watch the film.
0: All right, let's go. To, speaking of sacks, let's go Arizona Cardinals in new york giants 26 to 7 hassan reddick five sacks in this game five sacks i always knew he had it in him you loved hassan reddick coming out i kind of did yeah look i think hassan reddick's career for those who don't know first round pick of the arizona cardinals he was a really good edge rusher Mm. at temple like really good bendy and twitchy and all of that stuff And they tried to make him into a more traditional linebacker, really struggled, just not a great feel for zone coverage, just not his thing. This year, they have very much unleashed him as a pass rusher, not just pure off the edge, but just, you know, using him all over the place, create mismatches. He has played that that position that we describe every draft season, right? Here's this edge defender with some linebacker skills, and you play him in nickel and sub package, and you create mismatches. That was this. I mean, that's Reddick this year, but this game in a nutshell did a really nice job. But I think as notable is the fact that Daniel Jones playing with this hamstring injury can't move. And it felt like he just kept like, remember the Bengals last week? I said, every time I look up, they're getting sacked. That was Daniel Jones. It felt like he was just waiting for the pressure to get there. And pretty much he was the culprit on some of them. The Giants O line got whooped. I mean, it was a beat down by the Cardinals defense.
1: Yeah, like I don't want to go overboard with the Hassan Reddick thing as much as it's, you know, a, a bit because I really liked him coming out. We got to even on this it. year, he hasn't been great. He's been better. Uh and I do think he is an edge rusher, not anything else. Um but this was a weird ass game. Where but, he just for, racked up a ton of pressure and sacks. For perspective,
0: he had rushed as a rookie, he rushed a little over 200 times, a little over 100 times each of the last two years. This year, 300. 25 times they declined his fifth year option yeah so he's going to head into free agency this year as a potential reclamation project coming off of three years of below average grades Mm -hmm. and this year showing signs of life as a pass rusher with this not that he's been great all year to your point but this game was a dominant outing however you slice it so yeah it's intriguing as he hits the open market right
1: i do think he's one of those guys where you look at him and he just doesn't have the right body shape for what people want on the edge right He's a six foot one, 235 pound edge rusher, and teams don't like that. You know, you need to be pretty special for teams to go, okay, I'm going to throw out what we normally do in terms of template for this position and put you there as well. Now, you could argue that he was, like his college career was special enough that they should have done that, but teams don't. They just don't like doing that, and they're going to try and force your square peg into a round hole instead. Now, it's taken them, how many, four years to essentially go well turns out hammering this round peg or square peg into a round hole just isn't working so let's find a round hole to put it into instead Um, and that appears to have slightly better results but it hasn't turned him back into like the special player maybe that he could have been if they just embraced that from day one but this was like a glimpse that that could it could have existed right
0: yeah i mean in, when you're thirty five, to be a real edge rusher in the nfl you have to be able to win with power too he doesn't really win with power right i will say he fits the bill of say like a patriots like linebacker where if you line him up against a running back he's a mismatch and he can play he can play man coverage a little bit better than he plays zone so again he'll be intriguing on the open market as far as the big stuff goes big picture the first place giants lose fall to five and eight uh the cardinals seven and six and a huge game for them as they're fighting for their playoff lives.
1: Huge game for them, and, you know, for Coach of the Year candidate Joe Judge on that four-game winning streak, this felt like an error in judgment in terms of rushing back Daniel Jones when he was hobbled and not really able to do it. Like, I get that the difference between Colt McCoy and Daniel Jones is theoretically pretty huge. On the other hand, you watch this guy in practice. Like, if he couldn't move – If if Daniel Jones couldn't move to the degree that he couldn't move in that game – you shouldn't have put him out there. Like, that was just asking for trouble. The guy's biggest problem already is hanging around in the pocket too much and occasionally fumbling the ball away because he does that. If you then hamstring him, literally, to the point where he can't run away from people, now you're just asking for trouble. And that's, you probably should have rolled with Colt McCoy instead. So a team that was arguably surfing a, you know, mythical wave of three crappy teams and then the Seahawks genuinely had a shot at the division still does theoretically but like you just you blew a huge opportunity in this game because you rushed back a quarterback is what i'm saying yeah i mean the giants are what they are
0: let's be serious well here. sure
1: but i mean are what you are is still all we need to do is beat the cardinals and suddenly we have a stranglehold in this division is <laughs> my point and you shot any chance of doing that because you rushed back a guy that couldn't move yeah
0: it was ugly uh so daniel jones sacked how many times here six yeah, six times. Colt McCoy sacked two two times on his five dropbacks as well. So the Cardinals pass rush. Absolutely getting after it in this game. DeAndre Hopkins with the big game. Beautiful throw by Kyler Murray to Dan Arnold for a touchdown. I love when they use big Dan Arnold in the red zone. Let him go up and get it. So good job by the Cardinals bouncing back there after, you know, they were they were fighting for that NFC West crown. And now they're sitting there at seven and six battling for the wild card and very much in the mix. And they took care of business.
1: So you had a grade of 95 or above, albeit on 15 snaps? I do not. David Mayo. Get him back in the lineup when good things happen. Glad what I'm saying. Uh, glad your
0: shtick is here. So.
1: Where are we going next, Steve?
0: Uh, I was trying to fi- I'm always trying to figure out what Austin's commenting on. Yeah, we did it's never worth
1: reading. I wouldn't bother with it.
0: Tennessee dudes. Uh, Tennessee Titans, 31. Jacksonville Jaguars, 10. The Mike Glennon era in Jacksonville appears to be over. Hmm. He came out. Gardner Minshew came back in. Didn't really matter a whole lot. Tennessee. The dudes took over, Sam. It's a story every week. Yeah. Derrick Henry rushes for 215 on 26 carries. And A.J. Brown with the highlight of the game, 37-yard. one. He had, the, like, a, like, the interceptions. One-handed touchdown. Beautiful throw by Ryan Tannehill. Beautiful play by A.J. Brown. The... The Titans are rolling out some of the best players on the field as far as just physical freaks every single week. And that was the 21 point difference in this game. Derrick Henry and A.J. Brown, and a very efficient potential
1: quarterback of the week, Ryan Tannehill, who just, you know, distributed and made some big throws. Jacksonville's inability to stop Derrick Henry is impressive. <laughs> Since the start of 2019, so last year, Derrick Henry has averaged almost five yards a carry after contact against the Jags. He has broken 18 tackles. They just, they cannot come close to stopping Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry, or the Jags, remember the team that Derrick Henry did the 99-yard, whatever it was, beast mode, stiff arm from hell against three different people down the sideline play. That was what turned his career around. It was against
0: Jacksonville.
1: That's what started this thing. And since that point, they haven't been able to stop him since. It's insane. Um, so yeah, when Derrick Henry goes off for 200 yards, the Titans are probably going to have a pretty good shot of winning the game. And when AJ Brown adds, you know, an insane catch down the sideline for a touchdown, it's all gravy. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's Tennessee right now. Now coming into the game, Corey
0: Davis had better numbers across the board than AJ Brown. He did for everything, even as a huge Corey Davis supporter. This, is the reality. this game, I think, showed the reality of, of both players. A.J. Brown is the go-to guy. He's the number one. Uh, Corey Davis is a guy that's still complimentary. number two, runs the vertical route tree pretty well, don't want to throw him too many screens. Screen fumbled. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the reality of what Corey Davis is. But I still think the Titans putting these guys out there every single week, we mentioned on the PFF Daily, if these guys can take over a game against the Chiefs, yeah, are they the, they could be the biggest threat. The in Titans. The, AFC.
1: the Titans' problem, though, is the when we talked earlier about how Buffalo does all the smart things well, so they're stealing a percentage point across the board um, by setting themselves up in, in positions to do Don't well. Say it. The Titans do the opposite. I I what you, the opposite? Yeah, they opposite. They run the ball all the time. They won't actually unleash their best players in terms of the passing game.
0: I wouldn't say it's the opposite of Buffalo. Vrabel's been Vrabel's done some really good game management type stuff. He, yeah
1: okay he does some of the like cheating the clock and you know penalties at the right time but Tennessee's in terms of play action game and but the play in terms calling of actually good. deploying the passing game when you should like this is one of the most efficient passing teams in the nfl and one of the most aggressive running teams in the nfl it's like the vikings right if they believed they were 10 points down at all times they would be a dramatically better team the titans are kind of the same thing if you just believed you were in a hole and needed to air the ball out, you would be better.
0: Yeah, a little bit. I wouldn't say it's the opposite of the Bills, though. But the Tennessee dudes, they do it again.
1: Ryan Tannehill's great in this game 90. Ryan Tannehill's basically had the same season as he did a year ago, but you don't notice it because by... they're not actually airing it out. Sure, I'm not saying like it's all like he's the best quarterback in the NFL, but he's more than efficient enough for you to be embracing him as like the thing that can power this offense. And instead, you're like, no, we're going to run Derrick Henry 30 times. And if he goes off for 200 yards, we're going to win. If he doesn't, we're screwed.
0: Yeah, I don't know if it's as, as extreme as you're saying. I do love watching Ryan Tannehill throw a deep out. He's always had that nice and easy. Doesn't have great velocity. Just puts it exactly where it
1: needs to go. Did but- you see Minshew come in and almost like fumble the ball away just from running?
0: Yeah, he was just
1: Minshew and, Minshew and- thing.
0: Yeah, okay. just doing his thing. I like Lavisco Le- Chenault for the Jacks. I can't wait to talk about them more next year when they have more interesting pieces the andy dalton revenge game dallas cowboys 30 cincinnati bengals seven the red rifle revenge all right let's move on
1: turns out you can't fumble the ball away three times in the first quarter and win the game
0: yeah people are talking about the cowboys fumble luck just kind of completely reversing yeah in this game mm. all in one game against the bengals
1: a fumble six as well that didn't help yeah this was like andy dalton was okay he was efficient didn't do anything yeah. wrong dallas's offense generally yeah you know, all right yeah uh, but this was all the Bengals just gave them the ball a bunch of times at the start of the game and <laughs> you're not good enough to do that and still win yeah and brandon
0: allen's not good enough to overcome it and uh yeah just is what it is a couple t- i mean the cowboys are still technically alive
1: so yeah t- they can they can still win the oh maybe not now that washington won they, they, before that game, they could have won the division without doing anything other than beating Cincinnati and the other NFC East teams. Now they might actually have to beat another, another team. Washington, uh, irritatingly, could end up at five hundred and make this whole NFC East thing.
0: Crushing all of your NFC It East really screens. is.
1: like This whole thing has become like a nightmare.
0: Well, they're going to play Seattle
1: this week. So T. Higgins oh. is chasing down the Bengals' rookie reception record held by... Chris Collinsworth? Yes nailed it right come on boss. not AJ Green I mean if Chris if Chris, if
0: Chris can make a call into you know shut Google down mm-hmm maybe he can uh shut up T too. Higgins novel so
1: he doesn't yeah. doesn't steal his record yeah okay
0: I, I can call Brandon Allen and say look feed AJ Green no, oh,
1: I, I was thinking, you know, like no, I was going to get him like whacked or right. anything. Right? No. <laughs> I mean, I want to see T Higgins. I mean, play he's football. got a lot of he's got a lot of pull in this town. I'm sure he could get it done Chris if he wanted to. Chris could absolutely get.
0: I'm just I'm not. Don't get T whacked or anything. Just you know, just feed the ball to other guys. <laughs> okay. Okay. Drew Sample. Let's get Drew Sample involved here. Or AJ Green. Get AJ Green. Build up his value. Mm. Right over the last three games, he signs the big contract, and you get the uh, compensatory pick. Okay. So there's there's long term ramifications. Where are we going here at this game? to Dallas Cowboys. They win it. Uh, Seattle 40, Jets 3. God.
1: This is the game that Seattle isn't supposed to play. Yeah, but the Jets. I know. But, like, Seattle, I mean, they just lost to the Giants the week before. You're like, why? Seattle's never going to cover 14 points against anybody. And then, yeah, the Jets so marcus may had a really nice interception it <laughs> didn't matter at all did you see uh rich eisen's tweet no he was calling on all current and former players uh to explain to him what a six hour plane ride for a team that was 0 and 12 having just lost by like 40 points uh did Orlovsky uh, like, get back to him i don't know but he was like what is that plane ride like, <laughs> like is it just mute silence for six hours is it like a party everyone's feet up already waiting for next year like what is that must be weird
0: as a former professional athlete mm. i don't know i've never been no i've never lost 16 straight games or whatever they're on their pay, on yeah. pace on pace two. so um all i know is even though you're losing every single week like you're fighting for your job you know so it, even though it's from an outside from the outside perspective looking in it's like how can the jets be motivated because they're all fighting for their jobs. They're all fighting for, like, being a part of the Jets next year or being part of another team next year. Marcus May is going to be a free agent. He's fighting for a huge contract. He had that great interception. I think he's going to be – he's one of the top safeties on the market. That's what they're fighting for all the time. Sam Darnold's fighting for his next opportunity once he gets – you know, they move on from him. He, just tried, he was just trying to throw the ball to the Seahawks who wouldn't catch it yesterday. Yeah. Russ took care of business. It doesn't matter in the MVP race, which we thought it would uh because of the last couple weeks but russ took care of business and seattle took care of business and if they could beat washington next week they're battling the rams in week 16 for the nfc west title or at least you know for the lead in the nfc west so i don't know not much else to say 40 to 3 game i like watching marcus may play football so
1: yeah that's my jets takeaway this did seem to be as close as the jets have come this year to just packing it in though like all right we're done with this like roll on 2021 yeah we're out it was a beat down it was
0: i thought the may interception would give him some life <laughs> okay let's go to the football team 23 to 15 over the 49ers uh debo samuel comes out injured after just one nine yard carry i honestly think that was a huge factor for the niners like it's gonna be tough to beat the football team either way the niners best shot in any given week is when you have debo You have Ayuk, you have Mostert, you have the speed and playmakers everywhere. As soon as they lost, Debo Samuel felt like they were fighting an uphill battle. Chase Young kept finding the football Mm -hmm. every which way in this one, and the football team's defense is uh, playing pretty well.
1: It is, and it it matches up interestingly against the 49ers anyway, even with Debo, because the the Washington football team are one of the best teams in the NFL this season at limiting yards after the catch. They were like top three, I think. Um, and obviously that's the 49ers offense right we don't actually push the ball down the field we just give it to Ayuk and to um debo and to all the other yards after the catch monsters and we beat you that way washington was actually set up pretty well to combat that anyway um and then you lose debo and suddenly that's an advantage break in your direction yeah like this was this was washington's defense in full flight and as much as we've been it's kind of like the di- what's the difference between the narrative on the Chiefs and the narrative on the Steelers a couple of weeks ago, right? What's the difference between the narrative on the Giants, whose four game win streak was built off facing the NFC East and then one good win against Seattle, and Washington? Um, and I think there's a real difference in narrative because, like, their coach was legitimately battling cancer for the first half of the year, right? Like, there's probably it's probably worth noting that at the point where he no longer has to spend half his days trying to stay alive he can dedicate a little bit of mental resource and runtime to figuring out how to gain an edge against the 49ers in a given week right like the the difference between them earlier in the year and late in the year is probably a significant thing in a way it wasn't necessarily with the giants who had like 100 percent runtime dedicated to this thing from day one
0: and also ron rivera has been a lot with all that stuff I also wonder how much maybe you look at the Washington roster and it was not appealing coming into the season how much Ron Rivera is just a he's just got a track record as a good coach yeah for the most part he got the most out of all of his players in Carolina and I think for the football team once they get more talent right they've they've played well on defense once they get a little bit more offensive talent figure things out at the quarterback position you know not that Alex Smith can't you know, he's played well and, well until this game before he got banged up. Once they start figuring that out at the quarterback position, they're a team. They're a team that can, you know, battle in that division. If you felt like, the, if you watch this game and you felt like the, uh, the past games were a little rough, they were, just looking at EPA per play, minus .48 for the football team and minus .55 for the 49ers. Anytime you're in the negatives, it's rough when it comes to EPA and that low both sides
1: pretty bad yeah. so it was a rough game both sides of the football but you three, know the football team balling three out three quarterbacks played in this game and none of them had a pff grade above 55 yeah wasn't good alex smith what was the official injury there calf strain
0: yeah they were working on working on his calf on the sideline and you know obviously we're just trying to we just want Alex Smith to stay healthy. And I'm it's glad weird. We Can you? Like,
1: is there a single player in the NFL that you feel more like paternally protective over than Alex Smith? You're no. like,
0: oh God, don't like leave him alone. I want our listeners to because you you watched the special about him. Yeah. Right. So just I just I don't know if all of our listeners they talk about it on the broadcast, but not a lot of people have watched the football team this year. Alex Smith legitimately almost lost his leg.
1: He almost lost his life. let alone his life. leg. I mean, they were. They went from they went from uh yeah let, like let's stitch this up okay suddenly he's got multiple flesh eating bacteria and infections in this leg right and they went from like okay let's tidy this up to how do we save the leg to um okay we actually he might not make it through the night like at one point his wife asked the doctor if this was your leg what would you do and the doctor said amputate the leg like cut it off it's i mean it's that or you're risking his life right now and he went from that by the time they had by the time they had finished all the um chasing up the the dead tissue he was missing like the the majority of the meat from like ankle to knee on that leg right just the muscle was no longer there it was all gone and they were saying i mean you're you might you know move around normally again but football is not happening i forget it and he went from that to playing in the nfl again it's insane like that is maybe the greatest comeback every time right
0: it's
1: maybe the greatest comeback not of this year like anyone suggesting anybody else for comeback player of the year is out of their damn minds it's maybe the greatest comeback in nfl history it is absolutely ridiculous that he's playing football again so
0: great story and i just i wanted to make sure because we have millions and millions of listeners many are new and you know i don't know if everybody's heard that story but a lot of you have but just making sure that people know football team nfc east leader playing seattle next
1: week let's can wrap it up s- can somebody please get kyle shanahan a quarterback like a real one not one of these pretend ones i i want to see what they do because they and on one
0: hand you can look and say we went to the super bowl with jimmy garoppolo yes we're literally one overthrow on a post route away from a super bowl championship or a patrick mahomes not being a freak on third and 15 from a Super Bowl title. And would that completely change your perception of Garoppolo and say well we want a Super Bowl with him let's keep going or I'm intrigued. It's a lot of off-season talk. I can't wait to get to it. Does Shanahan want a more mobile quarterback to just really keep defenses off I want to see what he wants to do if he feels a little hamstrung by Garoppolo like he can only get to a certain point with Jimmy G
1: I mean he can right but that certain point might actually I mean it might be a Super Bowl (laughs) they might be capable of winning one or two Super Bowls with Jimmy Garoppolo a quarterback but what would happen if you gave him like a real quarterback like a really good one he's basically had one pretty high-end quarterback in his entire career and turned that guy instantly into an into an MVP Matt Ryan and Matt Ryan as good as he is has never been like Aaron Rodgers. Like, what if you found Kyle Shanahan and Aaron Rodgers?
0: So Aaron Rodgers could be free in about a year, depending on what happens here. Now we're talking. I think th- I think there's a world in the NFL where there. Look, I don't know. The, based off the way Rodgers is playing this year, who knows how soon this happens? Jordan Love might never see the field <laughs> for four years.
1: Well, maybe there's a Jordan Love available then.
0: There might be a Jordan Love available. New England needs a quarterback do they they have familiarity with Jimmy Garoppolo in cap space do you want to trade him back to New England you know do you want to start maneuvering things around to get Zach Wilson who's kind of a Jimmy Garoppolo clone ish but cheaper you know there's a lot of different ways I can't wait for the offseason I love the offseason team building season man a lot of fun things to discuss let's wrap it up though with this um Falcons Chargers game wow I'm gonna use your phrase both teams conspiring to lose yeah. Doing everything they could possibly do to try to lose. Matt Ryan with five turnover worthy plays in this game. The Chargers, clock management at the end of the first half, just atrocious again. God,
1: what? I don't how do you screw that up again?
0: So they they completed a pass, mm-hmm. tried to run the field goal team on, but like after ten seconds of running up to the line of screws with their offense, Was it a pass right?
1: or was it a run? Didn't they run? Was the it ball? a run? Whatever it was, they sorry, ran the was... ball with like twenty-five seconds left on the clock, and then didn't have the didn't seem went. to understand that. Oh crap! We now have to run on the like the field goal team needs to be on now. Like, and this was whatever about that happening in the general course of things. Ever that would be bad. This happened in the week that Anthony Lynn took over special teams because of the train wreck that it was the week before. Yeah, how does I don't understand how that happens. That is like eg- egregiously bad. Amy Trask the other day, we interviewed her. It was, I
0: I thought it was a great interview. Go check it out on our preview podcast. Um, It's also on YouTube as a standalone video. I thought Amy made a great point that you and I have lived, which is there's 32 teams, 32 different styles of doing things, 32 I've used, I've used the phrase 32 levels of competency before, but it's just, you know, there's 32 different ways of doing things. Bottom line, it is always amazing to me how certain coaches and coaching staffs and teams are just so well-prepared. For some of those situations and some are not and we talked about this off air a little bit about like Bill Belichick like how is Bill Belichick better at these things because it's Bill or because he puts all of the checks and balances in place to make sure that this stuff is covered because situational football Sam you played football how much practice time do you have to go over every last piece of situational football I think it's so important to have the right people in place who are just focused on that and have your ear and all that stuff I think again I come back to like the McVay thing a good head coach makes sure that everybody below them is coached up has their role has their job and I think that's what separates good clock management from bad clock management is that preparation and having people focusing on it and it
1: just seems like the Chargers certainly do not
0: have yeah, that in place
1: the a lot of people the instinctive reaction is anthony lynn needs to be fired right now this is an egregious he's costing the team he needs to be booted out the door i i mean that's i don't think that needs to happen but anthony lynn does need to figure out the solution to this problem that keeps recurring and keeps causing him issues and that as you said could be as simple as find a guy that does this stuff right yeah. find somebody whose role this is who can buzz down while you're trying to work out what the situation is or the play or the effect of what it, what just happened. A guy that can be in your ear and being immediately like, this is the instructions of what we're doing, right? Because whatever you're doing right now of Lynn trying to calculate this all in his head on the fly at the same time is failing repeatedly. Now, I don't think that needs to cost him his job, but it does if he doesn't address it, right? And be like, okay, I need to find a solution to this. Maybe there's a guy in a booth, maybe, whatever it is. Anthony Lynn needs to fix this rather than Anthony Lynn needs to be fired because of it
0: uh the Falcons are going to play the Bucks two out of the next three weeks don't look now but the Falcons defense is doing some nice things these last few weeks and they've got some pieces maybe to build around and as you're looking at the next the next head coach or the next regime to take over the Falcons you're still trying to assess what where Matt Ryan is this was not a good game for him and his future but I think you're looking at the defensive side AJ Terrell Keanu Neal Deion Jones sarquez denard not that all of them are you know locked up or whatever going forward but you've got some pieces that are playing a little bit better on that side of the ball but the Chargers, they pull it off 20 to 17 herbert played a cleaner game than uh than matt ryan in the end yeah so that's it man week 14 it's in the books other than monday night Football, this is gonna be a good one ravens and browns So go check it out. Check out our preview, Ravens-Browns, on the preview episode. Same episode that we had Amy Trask. Go check out the PFF NFL Daily. Go subscribe if you haven't already. We'll be in your inbox every morning.
1: The Browns all of a sudden, I mean, this is a tough matchup to be sure, but if they could somehow win, they actually have a sniff of topping the division all of, all of a sudden maybe like what a game back from pittsburgh and they play pittsburgh yeah yeah
0: I, we have to take a look at the tiebreaker situation there because they're still a game back but yeah the browns legitimate here in 2020 what a weird year anyway thanks to everybody for tuning in week 14 in the books we'll be back on thursday previewing all of the week 15 action go check out pff.com all your premium stats they're coming out Today on Monday, get all your grades and stats. PFF.com, PFF Elite. Thanks to everybody for tuning in. See you guys on Thursday.